All right, well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S. from Oklahoma. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 4th, 2018. Today we're reading from the big book and we are on page 12. We're going to be on the first paragraph that starts with despite the living example. We're going to read through four paragraphs ending with, of course I would, and comments we are going to be on all four paragraphs. So today's readers are going to be 12 Steps, Addie S., 12 Traditions, June S., the readers of the text will be Barbara E., Liz V., and Elizabeth H. The reference numbers for share IDs for Wednesday, yesterday, January 3rd, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 10868, 10868, and for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 10880, 10880. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome anyone and everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Addie S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Addie. Good morning. This is Addie S. in DeSoto, Texas, a compulsive eater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Addie F. I will now ask June S. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is June S., the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, June S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today, we resume our study of the big book. We are going to be on page 12. We're on the first paragraph, starting with, despite the living example. We're going to read through four paragraphs, ending with, of course I would. And comments are going to be on all four paragraphs. And our first reader today is Barbara E. 
Good morning, Thank Barbara. You. Good morning. Thank you so much. This is indeed Barbara E. from Frigid, New Jersey. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old, my old prejudices. The, the word of God had still aroused a certain antipathy. When I thought the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose mountain I, in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required for me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon, upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friends. Would I have it? Of course I would. And I'd appreciate being kind. Um, thank you so much. Well, there are a lot of words there that perhaps for me I needed some clarification. The first was vestige, a trace or a trace, that's good, or a, a part of something. Prejudice, dislike without prior knowledge. Antipathy, strong dislike. Intensify, heightened. Conception, a product of my own ideas. Star of the universe, emperor or someone of great power. A foundation, a basis upon which something would be, could be built, like a tenant. Well, after a point, the more I talked about a problem, the more I risked cementing myself in it and reinforcing my sense of helplessness, anxiety, stress, depression, and frustration. I had to take my intellectual skepticism and turn it into emotional reality. And so, just so I might become the person my higher power wanted me to be. It was not and still is not easy. I'm human. But if I am truly willing, if I ever hope to receive the promises offered to me in this book, it was time for me to pivot, to surrender it, and to stop seeking a solution on my own. What did I have to lose? Discontent, insecurity, anger. That sounded good to me. What did I have to gain? Serenity, tolerance, acceptance, kindness. Yes, I had to be willing to place the key of willingness into the lock every day and open the door even if it was just a crack. It's all that was needed. I also try to speak as kindly to myself as I would speak to others. Belief in a higher power would come in due time. It might take longer for me than for you, but that's okay as long as I remain teachable and open to the possibilities. 
It is not a one and done. I am not a robot. I may fall short of my personal goals and have setbacks, which are a part of life, but I'm still out there rowing the boat, plowing the field, doing my best to drop the rocks that keep me blocked every single day. Trust and belief in a higher power willing to guide me would come in its own time, as long as I was doing as many things as I could to achieve that goal. OA had no desire to convince me there was only one way. The big book contains a design for living and hope for recovery, but it is not a cult. It was and is for me important to question, not accept blindly. Oh, thank you so much. I pass, and I am grateful to you all. Thank you, Barbara E. Okay, so we are going to be opening up the floor for shares on those four paragraphs. Charles H. Monica H. Matt M. Okay, let's stop just a minute. Um, here's who I have so far: Charles H., Matt M., Nessa R., Harlan G., Larry K., and Wolf. Je- Let's Janice M. Okay, Janice. We'll stop with Janice, and we'll we'll go a second round here in just a little bit. So that's six people. So if everybody will make sure they're muted by pressing star one, and then Charles H., you're up. Thank you very much for your service, Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, a couple of words that really um stand out today: conception. I love. I love uh, that word, um, intellectual. That's another word that I really love um, that blocked me from another conception. Um, and here, Ebby is saying, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Um, you know, it has nothing to do with what a lot of people are thinking it has something to do with. It's like, you know what, I can't do this by myself, and that's all it is. And I'm trusting something else. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. I'm trusting something else. I mean, I'm in snowy New York right now on my way to work. I I don't want to go to work, um, but I'm desperate. So I'm trusting something else to get me there, and once I get there, I will be taken care of. Trust. That's it. Trust. Don't stop trying to define it, Charles. You will never define it. I trust these 12 steps with my life. Trust it. That's it. If I could tell somebody, well, not tell somebody, if I could show somebody um, trust, just not knowing and, like, being out of ideas, not being an Overeaters Anonymous trying to fix yourself, not being an Overeaters Anonymous um, trying to tell other people what to do, just do this thing, man. Walk this walk because this walk is great. It gets greater. It gets better. And no one should be telling you what type of faith you should have or what type of – I'm not even going to mention the words because it, it doesn't have any place here in Ovaries Anonymous. You know, trust this process because what you did before did not work. And, and by the grace of something supernatural, not human – you 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 dropped here in this great healthy meeting. I have a dream. 
I have a dream that, uh, and this dream is coming through one day at a time. In closing, that um, Overeaters Anonymous, as a whole fellowship, where you can talk about specific foods without glorifying it, and your food plan, your personal food plan, is the outside issue, and the main focus is the twelve steps as it's laid out in this AA Big Book. This dream is being fulfilled one day at a time. And with that, I would like to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles H. Uh, Next up is Matt M., and then I think it was Knessa. So, Matt M., you're next. Good morning. Thank you for your service, moderator. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., from Postal Overeater. Yeah, the messages of his old antipathy. So the messages of small traces of his old prejudice antipathy, which is a strong feeling of dislike when he thought about God. I get that sometimes in my head when I think about higher power because I came from a place of uh, strong agnosticism, never atheism. I would never believe that I was an atheist, that the whole world comes from nothing, goes to nothing, and ends in nothing. But um, I, I had a lot of anger towards God, and I think Bill did too, you know. Um, he saw his good examples of his grandfather living his life without believing in God and still had a good life, um, and other people in his life and his drinking buddies, he didn't need God. Now he's starting to see, he's starting to change that he might need God in his life because he sees how aimless his life is aimlessly rushing to nowhere. And, um, that, that's why the question when, when, uh, Abby asked him, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That statement hit him hard because it, it had to get, it got through to him through that intellectual, icy intellectual um, prejudice that he had going on. Uh, it was, and I love it. I love it down here. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. That's for me. I'm willing, I wish to believe. Uh, I'm willing, even willing to believe there is a power greater than myself. That's the reason I'm, I'm finally starting to do a little bit better, but I still have a long way to go in the growth department, and it takes one day at a time, and I only have today to do well, and I see that Bill is finally coming around, and it's great to see the transformation in him, and I wish, I hope to soon see the transformation in myself, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. And next up is Knessa, I think, and then it'll be Harlan G. Is there Knessa? It is. Thank you. Knessa, what is your initial of your last name? K. Thank you. K. Thanks, Knessa. Sure. Thanks for the me. Knessa K. Recovered in Ohio. Um, You know, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Um, (laughs) It almost makes me laugh now to remember what I went through to get here. And, you know, I've shared before that, like so many of us, I grew up in organized religion. I still practice that religion, enjoy it, um, enjoy the traditions of it, and pass it along to my children through their education. Um, But the amount of time that I spent conceptualizing um, my sponsors at the time, uh, my sponsor at the time, had me write what that conceptualization was. And it was somebody I could trust. And what I had conceptualized all of my life was that whatever that higher power was that I have called God on my life was a testing God. And that person was very hard for me. Um, to trust. And if I could tell you guys the number of hours that I spent listening to podcasts, in particular one by Bob Darrell, who's one of my AA uh, heroes, 
Bob said in one of his step work seminars, and you can go out to YouTube and listen to him over and over, he said that his sponsor told him that it didn't make any difference if that chair was his higher power, that he had to believe that there was just somebody more important than him. And what blocked me for so many years, um, long before I got into the steps, of course, was that I really truly thought that my decision-making was the only way to live my life. And I've been feeling blocked for a few days now. And, you know, through the practice of meditation, I can, in the steps, of course, and listening to all of you and working with others and spending one-third of my time with people behind me, one-third of my time with people with me, and one-third of my time listening to the giants before me, that there's something else out there. And what I got to was that even though I still practice my religion and I choose to call my higher power God and I'm in connection with that power every single day through all of you, the steps, meditation, and everything I just mentioned, it took me a long time to get here. If I could have just surrendered to the process of just believing that I wasn't the be-all, end-all, I could have made this process so much easier. But in the end, it was the stubbornness that kept me in an unhealthy body weight and um, struggling. So um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Knessa. Next up is Harlan G., followed by Larry K. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service, and thank you to Team Thursday for making this wonderful meeting possible. I can't wait to see you next week, Kelly. Um, it's the end of November, 1934. Bill Wilson has been hospitalized twice for his alcoholism. He has come under the care of the medical director of the town's hospital, Dr. William Duncan Silkworth. Silkworth has told him that his problem is a physical allergy to this alcohol, the allergy being an abnormal adverse reaction when the alcohol is consumed. And he has told him that he has a twist of the mind, which when antagonized by the buildup of emotions will drive him irresistibly into the alcohol in search of relief to the intenable, unbearable pain of not drinking. And Bill is powerless over alcohol. And if Bill is powerless over alcohol, his question is, what am I going to do now? Abby Thatcher, a childhood friend who is a hopeless alcoholic just like Bill, has entered into the Oxford Group Movement, people unconcerned with alcoholism, practicing first century Christianity to the best of their ability. Abby is practicing this six-step program as it was then with its four absolutes, and he has been sober for two months. Bill sees Abby sober. It has a profound effect on him. But he's wrestling with this idea of a spiritual or a religious solution to the problem. And even though he has admitted to himself that Abby is sober and he is drunk, he says, despite the living example of my friend, Abby, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice, the word God still aroused a certain antipathy, strong dislike, aversion. 
Now we go down a little bit, and it says here, he's wrestling with this now, and his friend Ebby says, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That opened the door to millions and millions and millions of people, both now dead and now yet unborn, to this magnificent solution to the problem of addiction. Come to think of it, I've never argued with my own conception of anything. Let me believe how I want and I'll be okay. As a child, religion was forced upon me. Don't eat this, eat that. Don't do this, do that. It was a series in my mind of obediences which meant nothing. Here is my own conception of God. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Power greater than myself. Willingness. There's nothing in here that says I must believe. I just must be willing to believe. I saw growth could start from that point upon a foundation of complete willingness. And what do I need for willingness? I need to have suffered enough pain. If God is big enough or small enough to understand, he's not big enough to solve my problems. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Harlan G. Next up is Larry K., followed by Janice M. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Where it will be, it won't be 70 degrees. It'll be, uh, I don't know, it's about one degree. Uh, but we'll take it. The, um, he says, despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the, uh, the vestiges, these traces of old prejudice, the intolerance. The word God still aroused in me a certain antipathy. He, he disliked this, this notion. See, Reflecting back on this encounter with Ebby, what Bill's doing is he's acknowledging that even though there was the, the living, breathing, changed human being right there before his eyes, he, ser- he still had a certain contempt or disdain for this notion of God. I, I did as well. Don't, don't, don't tell me about, about your God, okay? See, I can assure you that I was just like Bill when I got here. So that despite the living examples of the many transformed lives in front of my face, right in front of my face, you know, they were changed by the grace of God in this simple program of action. They weren't just, they, they, there was no pixie dust. They were changed by, a prog- by taking action, right? See, despite all that, I, like you on the line right now, there's someone out there, remain tethered to traces of old prejudice regarding my notion of God, a God personal to me. There's no God personal to me. And it makes perfect sense that by all accounts, this God that never existed was a no-show when I needed help the most. And I, just like Bill, used you know, what we call confirmation bias. I use confirmation bias. Bill did too. Maybe you're doing it too. What, what does that mean? Well, it means it's kind of like the tendency to search for interpret, recall information in a way that confirms my pre-existing bias. So I'm going to search out hypocrites as a confirmation bias that there's no God. And where I search, it's the most amazing thing. Wherever I search, I find. So if I'm looking for hypocrites, if I'm looking for people on this line that are not recovered, I'll find them. If I'm looking for phonies, frauds, fakes, I'll find them. They'll confirm my bias. Problem is, I'm still stuck in the quicksand. 
I try not to use that. I, I see folks that are suffering this disease. I try not to use that as confirmation bias that this is, this is nothing. This is a big nothing. Because they say they've worked the steps a thousand times. That's not going to be my confirmation bias. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on you. You who has recovered by the grace of God. And while others continue to be pulled from the quicksand, I held on to my false pride like it was the most precious piece of chocolate. Yes, chocolate from Switzerland. You know, picture it. And it often was for me. But thank God, my traces of prejudice of this God idea began to melt faster than my chocolate did. See, the chocolate idea would kill me. The God idea would not. It would save me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Next up is Janice M. Morning, Janice. Janice, are you there? Walking away. Good morning, Kelly S. My name is Janice M. And I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yes. Okay. So now we know we're in between uh, step one and step two. Despite the living example, despite, that sounded like me. Yabat, yabat, that's what I used to always say because I still had those old ideas of mine trying to um, convince myself that there wasn't, even though I had proof, I still resisted and I was defiant because I was brought up in such a religious atmosphere that the religion taught me who to believe, what to believe, what the God was. And, you know, then I started thinking for myself, gee. And so naturally, I had a God, then I gave away a God. I mean, I just didn't want to believe. So this is um, what to do with the God. And I also had prejudice against other religions because I was so taught that my religion was the only religion. So I was brought up with a lot of prejudices against other religions. So when Bill here, Yabat, 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 you know, we hear it all the while. So now he still has these conflicts within himself. But now he's starting to open up his mind, not be so closed mind like I was too. I was closed mind like Bill. You know, I didn't want to give up my power. I thought I could still find something else because I was so self-righteous and as soon so now these these conceptions these different ideas you know I started opening up and as soon as thank you God for Ebby for this statement because the word is choose that's a big word for me I didn't know I had a choice to choose another God in my life another higher power when I was the power, I was taught that you have to be the power. You know, otherwise, you know, you won't be self-sufficient. So he says, when my friend told me, why don't you choose your own idea of God? Well, hmm, like was said, you tell me to choose my own way, choose my own idea. That sounds good to me. And just be willing. Doesn't tell us to believe, who to believe to understand a God, just be willing to believe another idea. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. 
Well, thank you, Janice M. Uh, okay, just as a reminder, where we're at today, we're on page 12. We're on the first paragraph, despite the living example. We read through four paragraphs ending with, of course I would, and we're commenting on all four paragraphs. Who would it like to share? Leah Diara. Craig F. Edie Melody H. Roanne M. Monica Nicole P. E. Susan H. Jeanette S. Okay, let's wait just a second. Um, a lot of jarble. <laughs> I heard Craig F. Leah didn't get your last initial. Leah S. Nicole. Leah S. Nicole didn't get your last initial. Um, and who else? Edie Leah. Amanda S. Melancy R. Okay, Craig F. Craig F. Leah S. Nicole. Nancy R. Eddie M. Roanne. Roanne. Okay, let's stop right there and see where we get. Okay, sorry. There's a bunch of people on the line this morning, so it made it a little difficult, but which is great. So here's our lineup, Craig F., Leah F., Nicole, Nancy R., Edini, and Roanne. So everybody, please press star one to mute, and we will start with Craig F., followed by Leah S. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for your service. Um, This, when I first got the program, I came, I came with, certain religious ideas and uh, uh, pretty uh, well, pretty hard-grained about uh, thinking I had certain religious ideas. And uh, when I first heard this, uh, choose your own conception of God, it made me a little uncomfortable um, because, uh, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, they were encouraging me to think I was creating God rather than God created me. And, and uh, you know, I understood that, it, you know, I, I just kind of accepted it as uh, a lowered first-in step, you know. You make the step in the, not a tripping hazard for people so that you can get them in the door. And, and, I, and then I got to thinking and realized that ever since I was a teenager, ever since I met, every time I met uh, somebody, a preacher, a rabbi, a a priest, uh, uh, a professor from a Bible college, I always ask him the same set of questions, you know, like, do you believe in God? And I was surprised sometimes to hear the answer, do you know there's a God? And then I would always ask him, well, what do you think of when you see God? And then I realized that what I was saying, and and I got a myriad of answers. And and what I realized is that that no matter who you are, no matter what, religious faith you you bring into this that you you still uh, you have maybe some prescribed tenets about God but you're still choosing your own conception of God that this isn't that that whether we we uh, realize it or not everybody everybody has uh, done that we've chosen a conception of God, and we've chosen one that works for them, and and I I, I so much love in the in in the, how it works, where it talks about this is a way to a faith that works, and you know that that we have to have a faith that works. It, it can't be some dispassionately logically worked out 
set of theological principles. It, it has to be a faith that works. What a what a beautiful and simple concept for me. So, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Craig F. Um, next up is Leia S. Followed by Nicole. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, everyone. Such a wonderful meeting. Um, my name is Leia S., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. It melted the icy intellectual, oh, wow, mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered for many years. So we are reading about Bill, who is struggling to understand what is going on here with Ebby and with a lot of other people that he is seeing that have transformed. And um, going through this book, this has really catapulted me into that fourth dimension because I came in such a stubborn person. It was all about my ego, me and me and me. Don't you tell me. And, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, you're talking precisely about what I don't want to talk about. And all I had to do was be willing to believe. For me, the willingness was such a big a big um but notice that all of the time as we're going through the book i had been transforming myself okay giving a little bit more of myself a little bit more of myself of my ego of my my knowledge of my who i am and it's being crushed at this point it's already crushed you are nothing leia Nothing at all compared to what God is. And you know what? Nobody has to believe in the God that you believe in. Only you. And as soon as that thought came into my head, I was completely surrendered. I was completely um, uh, transformed. My whole everything was just, you know, it was crushed and and all of a sudden, I saw things in a completely different light. How true. And what a beautiful, beautiful way to live. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. Sorry about that. Um, okay. Thank you, Leah. So next up is Nicole and then Nancy R. Nicole, I didn't get the initial of your last name. Um, P. <laughs> Good hey. morning, everyone. I'm Nicole P. from Georgia. Okay. And Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me some vestiges of my own prejudice. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. Here, he he has this man who's showing him through his actions the change in him. And for me, I'll never forget when I was fresh and (laughs) I had a sponsor. And, boy, was the sponsor very honest, but I appreciated it. I'll never forget. I got on a meeting and I asked, how do I I fit away into my life? And I smile about that now because I now know after 
working the steps and having a spiritual awakening. Without OA and without reliance upon a higher power, I have no life. There's no such thing. But I was trying to do, you know, what Bill said. You know, I was trying to go off my intelligence because I grew up in organized religion, and I realized through working the steps that I thought, oh, you know, because I'll never forget. I looked at step two, and I said, oh, that's going to be a breeze. I, I know God. <laughs> this is going to be simple. And when I did it, I found out how agnostic I was because as much as I'd like to believe and, and say to myself, oh, we've always been close, I didn't have a personal relationship with a higher power. The relationship I had was based upon what others told me the the kind of relationship I should have. And in working these steps, I see that, oh, wow, when someone told me, you, you can have your own conception of God, I said, but how do I do that? And they said, well, what characteristics do you believe God has? And I said, well, I think he's definitely patient because, oh, my goodness, it takes patience to deal with the up and down of, oh, I trust you, but not so much. Oh, I'm going to give away just this much of me. I'm going to let you have parts of me. And my higher power said, no, I need all of you. I can't give you the transformation that you're seeking. I can't give you the ease and comfort that you need, that you've been seeking through food, unless you give me all of you. The good, the bad, the ugly, you have to give me all of it. And that was a game changer for me. When I did, someone said in program to me, when I dropped the mic and I stopped trying to be the headliner in my life, the promises came true, the blessings came true. And it's not like this is some foreign idea. I just had the willingness I was tired of trying to run the show, and I allowed a higher power of my understanding to do it for me. And every time I let him and I seek him and he runs my life, I don't have any anxiety, any fear, any resentments. It's only when Nicole is running her life where those things come. I know whenever I have a fear or anxiety, that was that was involved in self. Higher power wasn't involved because when higher power is involved, Bye. feelings aren't there. And I will end with this. I will say that for me, what I like what he saw in Abby, I see in so many of you, and I saw in many of you in person in the convention. And for anyone who's still going through this journey, know that you too can recover. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nicole P. Next up is Nancy R., followed by Irene M. Hi. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. and. Thanks to everyone who shared on the line this morning and those who are on the line and those who make this uh, experience possible. Uh, I thank you so very much. I thank my high power for leading me to Overeaters Anonymous. And today my relationship with my high power is probably, I consider the greatest thing in my life. Um, my journey to finding a, a, a power greater than myself uh, establishing a, a relationship with the higher power has been long and arduous. Um, when I was first told to uh, find a God of my understanding, uh, to me that was almost like blasphemy. Uh, I took it as rejecting <clears throat> the God that I had been brought up with, and that was that was almost impossible <clears throat> at the time I came into the program. Uh, because my higher power was tied to my dad, who was uh, my, who was 
um, my pastor, I'd grown up in a religious household, and I just I idolized him. And to me, that would that would have been rejecting all of the things that I had been taught, which I never truly believed, but I held on to them dearly. Um, so being humbled by the disease and becoming desperate and being told that only this higher power could help me, only the desperation of wanting to recover enabled me to just let go of all my preconceived notions and earnestly begin to seek a higher power, um, a God of my understanding, one that will work for me. And it's taken me years in this program to truly develop a relationship and an understanding. But uh, and and it continues to grow it, through step eleven, uh, particularly the part of meditation. So through prayer and meditation to establish a conscious contact with God, I have begun to increase that, and my relationship with this higher power grows. Uh, in proportion to the amount of time I'm willing to spend in prayer and meditation. When I get to, when I got through meditating this morning, you know, I knew uh, that I would never have done this had I not been in this program. I probably would have gone through life with a superficial relationship with a power, with a God, not ever experiencing the intimacy that I enjoy today with this power that not only keeps me from compulsively overeating, one day at a time, but enables me to deal with the ups and downs, the vicissitudes of life without having to resort to uh, using food. It's a gift. It's nothing but a gift, one that I value and I treasure. And I'm so grateful that God led me to Visions for You, which is a part of OA, um, four years ago. Um, thank you, four, almost five years ago. Uh, and I have been able to experience the true joy of recovery. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for sharing, Nancy R. Next up is Rini M. and then Rowan. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. You know, we're not our minds. This is about getting out of our heads to view life in a different way, from disconnected to getting connected so we can be connected in order to stay connected. And we can do this by so many ways and the biggest thing is the set-aside prayer. Please set aside everything that I think I know about myself, my brokenness, and you, God, for an open mind and a new experience of myself, my brokenness, and especially you, God. Having an open mind and an open heart, seeing everything in a different light. So to be willing means to take action with a commitment, I have to trust to believe in a power greater than myself, which I choose that I believe in God. And this requires willingness. And when we have willingness, we have action in doing and not just living in our heads. So willingness brings us out of our heads. And we need to be open to be willing to believe from our hearts. 
There's so much hope here. Right here in this book, it says, a willingness to make a new beginning to build what I saw in my friend. Believing is accepting something that is true with evidence. And the evidence is all here. It's all of our Ebbies. The evidence of God is my life today, how I'm living. The evidence of God are all the recovered people on this line. God does for us what we could never do for ourselves. So those of you who are on the line who are still struggling, give yourselves this gift and be willing to believe. Open that closed fist. Let go of your old beliefs that block you and accept. Open up your fist, your hand, and accept the gift. Receive the willingness to believe that there is power in just that willingness. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you for your share. Um, next up is Roanne. I didn't get your last initial. Hi, this is Roanne M. I'm calling from New York City. I'm very grateful to be on the line today. I love this reading because, you know, as we've been seeing in Bill's story with the progression of his alcoholism and the very obviousness of his hopelessness, we finally see in this reading that Bill has some hope. He's been fighting. He's been dragging his feet. You know, they say, let go or be dragged. And now he's, his Ebby is saying, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And that statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. When I read that sentence, I get a very clear visual picture that of a man who has been living in this darkness, this torturous darkness, alone and isolated. And then it says, I stood in the sunlight at last. And I think about the sunlight of the spirit, which is one of the names of that they refer to God in this book. I stood in the sunlight at last, which is, you know, I'm, in my opinion, they're saying, like, God, Bill is standing with God. And Bill is finally, after all this time, Bill has some hope for himself. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. You know, Bill, Bill is in a very desperate place. And all he needs to do is have some willingness that there is something outside of himself, bigger than himself, that can help him. He doesn't need to believe in God. He doesn't need to believe in anything, just anything specific, whatever works for him. And that's why this program works, because it can be personal to, to me, personal to all of us. Whatever works for each and every one of us, as long as I know that God, that I am not God, I cannot be God. God is out. That God is outside of me. My higher power is bigger than me, and 
this it's something greater than me. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. So now Bill has hope and he's on his way to changing. There's going to be some beautiful changes happening. I saw that growth could start from that point upon a foundation of complete willingness. So all he needs is some willingness. And thank you so much for letting me share. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Roanne. And um, Lisa B., I heard your name out there, and we still have some time. So if you're available, that would be great. Lisa B. Okay. Well, I also heard Vasa O. Vasa, are you available to share? I'm here, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and calling from Florida. And this brings me back when I came at the beginning of my program and my sponsor said to me, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And I, you know, I had a lot of mixed messages uh, about God, about religion. As growing up, I did come from a communist country, so never. Uh, with that, you know, I, um, I did. I was, I, I was, I was. I grew up with a fearful punishing God, and my sponsor said, you know, that God is. It's not that good to have in your life. I'll lend you my God. He's wonderful. He's loving, caring, patient. And I still, you know, whatever she said, oh, okay, whatever, but it didn't mean I took that God. I was just so willing and I was so ready to um, to surrender to a power greater than myself because what I was doing, it was just not working. And I did have to put lot of stuff aside. I love the set-aside prayer. Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about your, myself, everything I think I know about others. And, you know, that was very helpful to me. Um, and and, and the, like it says here, nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. And that was my beginning because I had so much pain and suffering in my life with the food and the emotional pain and spiritual pain, I was just so ready. But I was like 100, 150% to surrender with the food. And gradually, when I could see what God was doing with me, through me, that I started trusting and relying on God. I was saying, I think I'll keep this God that I'm, you know, that I'm going with uh, you know, I started trusting God in other areas of my life. So I do apply step one with gradually with everything in my life. But it has been a process, uh, painful, joyful uh, over the years. But I've always stayed abstinent through whatever I go through. And, uh, you know, good and bad, this is it. And I liked hearing... This is a spiritual program. It's not a religious program. I really like that idea. And that's, that's what I'm doing, you know, surrender, keep coming. And this is the only thing that has worked for me. And it's faith, you know. Faith without the works, it's nothing. I can't just pray to God 
and say, do this for me and do that. God gives me the power. God gives me the strength to do it. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa, and thanks all of you who shared today and read. Oh, so please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today's meeting, Thursday, January 4th, is 10831 So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Liz V. please read a vision for you, starting with our book is meant to be suggestive only until I keep you until then. Liz V, star one. Well, is Elizabeth H available? Oh, I'm here. I couldn't unmute. I'm sorry. Is this Liz? Yes, this is Liz B. Oh, okay, great. Thanks, Liz. Thanks. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relation with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.